Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. First Peter chapter 5. By way of review, let's read right down through it. The elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that, he, that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears... You will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Now, last week, we saw that this charge to elders, an elder in the Greek literally means an older, spiritually mature person. Old and New Testament, there are elders, older, spiritually mature people who serve the flock. We saw last week that these are appointed. We saw that in the book of Acts, that the apostles appointed elders. We saw in Titus that the apostle Paul told pastors to appoint elders, to be extensions of the pastor's ministry. We saw that the heart of an elder is to be a servant. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you serving. This is not something that is to bring glory to an individual, it is to serve at a higher level. Remember what Jesus said? Greatest among you shall be what? Your servant. It is to serve, to encourage, to pray for, to uh, be an example. That is I am an elder of the church. We have others who've been appointed and others who are about to be appointed. We are to be examples how we conduct our lives, our relationships, our business, our finances, how we participate in worship. Do we give? Do we support the work of the Lord through the church? Do we endure hardships and personal pain with the grace of God? Do you know, there are a lot of people who would qualify for that, but sometimes, and, and I want to tell you, there are a lot of godly men in this, in this congregation. Some I have talked to who did not want to serve, and for many different reasons, all of which were good. How many of you know that an elder should also be comfortable with hands-on prayer? Not every person in the church is comfortable with hands-on prayer. And it's okay. We are where we are. It doesn't mean that you're inferior. 
it means that that's just not a level that you're comfortable with. How many of you know that 1 Timothy 4.14, Paul told Timothy to invest in the gift that he had been given, which was given to him through prophecy and through the laying on of the elders' hands. So something gets transferred in the spiritual realm. So elders should be willing to have hands-on prayer. James 5.14 says, It is the anointing of oil by the elders and the prayer of faith. Elders ought to be able to pray the prayer of faith over those who are sick, who ask for prayer. I mean, it's not just a figurehead deal. It's about serving. 1 Timothy 3.2 says that elders ought to be able to teach. They ought to be able to instruct others, whether it's individuals or a, or a group, small group or large group. <clears throat> elders ought to be able to teach something regarding spiritual living and the Word of God. So it's a high, holy appointment that ought to be taken seriously. I'm preaching to myself and to those who have been and will be appointed as elders of the church. The Word said in 5-5, in we talked about this last time. I didn't get any calls or letters from the women of the church thanking me like I thought I would about mutual submission. But that's okay. I'm secure in the Lord. All right. You also got to remember that mutual submission also not... It has to do with personal relationships, covenant relationships. The highest thing we can learn to do is to mutually submit to one another. That's how you get partnership. If you enforce leadership in covenant, if you enforce it, I'm not talking about with your children. If you enforce it, you are a dictator and not a leader. And there's a big difference. The Word tells us to mutually submit to one another and to listen to, love, and be about not just our own interests, but the interest of others. Do you know that works in a church family too? Do you know that every one of us in here have different preferences? Do you know that every single one of us have different preferences as it comes to worship, as it comes to what kind and volume and everything about music? Do you know that every one of us in here have different preferences as it relates to child care? Do you know that every one of us have preferences as it relates to the pastor's messages, volume, and a lot of people have left here because they don't particularly care for me. And that's all right. You get used to it after a while. It's all right. All of us have preferences. But when the Lord makes it clear where your faith family should be, we ought to be submissive to one another and be willing to submit to that which blesses and that which is encouraging to other people. God will give you the grace to have grace about and being mutually submissive about things that are just matters of preference. Amen? 
And I'll tell you, when it has to do, look, there's no, there's no fudging on the Word of God. This is final authority right here, the Word of God. And when I get out of line with the Word of God, I need to get back in line. Amen? This is final authority right here. But how many of you know there are a lot of electives that we need to give grace toward each other as it relates to personal preference? And that starts right here with the leader. Amen. All right? We saw last time, last week, verse 5b, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Remember, we said that if I have avenues of pride lodged in my soul, in my mind, in my emotions, in the choices I make, if I have strongholds of pride, God is going to resist me. How does God resist you? Like we said last week, sometimes He interrupts my plans. Has that ever happened to you? I gave you an example last week. Changes our schedule. Sometimes He moves us out of our comfort zone. God will eventually, if I don't get it and get in line with His leadership, God will eventually bring about a, an abrupt stop to my journey. Why is that? Because that can be painful. Why would God resist somebody that He loves? This is not on your outline. Let me just tell you, write it down. God will resist me and He will resist you because, remember what He said, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your well-being and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. God will resist you if He knows your plans are inferior to His highest and best for your life. He's already seen the end from the beginning, and He knows sometimes that what I think is the greatest thing going is going to turn out to be something inferior. So sometimes God will get involved and resist you because from your finite position, all you can see is what looks good today, but from His infinite position, He has plans for you that are high above your plans. In fact, write this scripture down, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. For my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are higher than your ways. Wow. So some t- look. God only resists you out of love for you and the desire for you to have His very best. That is the only reason that He resists you. But if we're operating in pride, we can't see and and grasp and embrace and give thanks to Him that His ways and His thoughts are higher than ours. We get disappointed and frustrated and a lot of times, hello, blame it on the devil when things don't go our way. And sometimes I think the devil gets way too much credit. We talked last time about practical opportunities that we have to humble ourselves. That is, when we realize that we've hurt someone, even if we don't think we're wrong, 
to say them, I, I, I sense, I see that you're hurting. I'm so sorry for my part in that. Please forgive me. Humble yourself. God changes the atmosphere when we begin to do that. So I promised you this at the end last week. We want to see how do you humble yourself? How do I humble myself? It's going to be far different than anything that you would think about is what humbling. See, humbling yourself is not beating yourself up. It's not condemnation. It's it's not accusing yourself of something that you may or may not have done. It's not humiliating yourself. To humble yourself means, are you listening? The way you humble yourself is to adopt the right view of yourself. The way you successfully humble yourself is that you submit to God and His view of you. That you admit that you are totally dependent on Him and you submit your view of yourself to Him. Wow. Turn back to the left there, if you will, to John, St. John. Chapter 17, I want to show you something that will change your life. I've been crying out to God over the last 24 hours, Lord, please give me greater revelation of this. John 17, what does this have to do with humbling yourself? You'll see it. Is everybody at a place where you can listen to what I'm about to say? Are you? The key to humbling yourself is you have got to get revelation of the fact that God loves you as much as He loves Jesus. That flies in the face of the religious mind. God loves you as much as He loves Jesus. No, you ain't getting it. God loves you as much as He loves Jesus. Now let me prove that to you from the Word of God. God loves you as much as He loves Jesus. John 17 is Jesus' prayer for the disciples that were sitting there specifically and for us specifically who would come after them. Look at verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, that is these who are sitting here, but I pray for those who will believe in me through their word. What are, you, what are you holding? A copy of the Word of God given to the apostles who were listening to Him. Have you believed because of the Word of God? That's you. I, Jesus is praying for you right now. That, verse 21, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23, watch this. I, Jesus, I in them, and you, Father, in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know, watch this, that you, Father, sent me, Jesus, and have loved them 
as you have loved me. Jesus' prayer is, Father, I pray that these who will believe will know that you love them in the same manner that you've loved me. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Hallelujah. God, give me revelation of that. Look down in verse 26. Jesus said, I've declared to them your name, Father, and I will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Where's the love of God? Romans 5, 5, the love of God has been poured out where? Where? In my heart. By who? The Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5, the love of God has been poured out in my heart. It's already residing in my spirit, man. I just don't have a revelation of it. It's not his fault. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. God loves you. Turn back to the left to chapter 15 of John. Look at verse 9. As in the same manner and to the same measure as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my agape, my unconditional, unrelenting love. Well, Do you know that he loves you as much as he loved Jesus? Have you ever read Ephesians 1 about how he sees you? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And has done what? Called us holy and righteous and beloved and forgiven and accepted. Read the verses. That's how he sees you. Why? Because he loves you like he loves Jesus. How could he not love you the way he loves Jesus when the Bible says over and over again that you are in Christ Jesus? How could that be? Wow. God give us revelation. Amen? Well, Pastor, how does that work out to what you were saying? The key to humbling myself has to do with seeing myself the way he sees me. Okay, turn back one more to the left to chapter 13 of John. I want to show you how it works out. Show you how it works out. Dear Lord. Chapter 13 of John, at the end of Jesus' life, this is on the last evening of his life on the earth. Watch this. Verse 3. Jesus 
knowing, being absolutely assured that the Father had given, how much? All things into His hands, and that He had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself, poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet. We all read about how Jesus washed the disciples' feet and how he humbled himself as the Lord of all, but do you know how he was able to do it? Why did the Lord of heaven... Why did the sinless one, why was it so easy for him to take a towel, get down on his hands and knees, and wash dirty, sandal-clad feet? Why was that just flowing out of his personality? What did we just read? Because he knew he had come from the throne of God. He knew he had come from the Father, and he knew he was on his way back to the Father. He was able to humble himself because he saw how his father saw him. The key to humbling yourself is to seeing how your father sees you. Then you can do anything. You can do anything. So many times I go into dirty men's restrooms and the Spirit will quicken me, not every time, but the Spirit will quicken me to pick up the towels laying on the floor. Oh, you sure? Yeah, all right. Wait a minute now. How, how, can, you, how can you serve? How can you humble yourself and become obedient and serve because you're the king's daughter. You're the king's son. You're not going to get a higher position than you have right now. You have access to the throne of Almighty God. Almighty God, the creator and sustainer of the universe. Right now, how much more important are you going to get than that? The way you humble yourself is to get greater revelation of the view your Father has for you. He loves you as much as He loves Jesus. He views you as His son and daughter, holy and righteous and blameless and beloved and accepted and forgiven. Then it becomes a lot simpler to serve, isn't it? To humble ourselves when we know. Are you with me? Are you listening? Religion says... Humble yourself and serve, and maybe God will accept you. The truth of the Word of God says, your Father loves you. He is absolutely in love with you, just like He is with Jesus. Now you can serve. You know why? Because you're not looking for recognition to make you feel important. You're serving the, God, the Lord of heaven. No disrespect intended. I wouldn't drive across town, no disrespect intended, to meet with governors or presidents because I have an audience with the Holy One of all creation 
any time that I want it. And he has said he loves me as much as he loves Jesus. When you get the view that God has of you, that's the key to humbling ourselves. That's the key. Well, I want to show you one last scripture. That's Philippians chapter 2. And I want to show you what happens when we humble ourselves. How many of you know we just read when we started the passage that says, If you exalt yourself, God will resist you. I have to mention this, Luke 18, 14, Jesus said, if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled, but if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. You remember Proverbs 16, 18, that's on the front page of your outline, would you circle that? You know what it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. If you look at everything going, if you look at the church, if you look at the school, if you look at the team, if you look at the government, where there is extended, unrepented of pride, there will eventually be a fall every time. What is our model for humbling ourselves and the results of it? Philippians chapter 2 tells us about Jesus' experience. Verse 5, and it tells us this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He didn't have to, he was already equal with God. He didn't have to steal it. He was and is and always will be God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. A bondservant is somebody who is, bit, who is free but chooses to serve. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. How did he do it? By becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of of the cross. Therefore, since he humbled himself by becoming obedient, he was and is God. He came from God going back to God. He humbled himself by becoming man. You know what that means? That although he had the rights and privileges of God Almighty, do you understand that the Bible teaches that, it, that Jesus was the creative agent of the Godhead that created all the earth? He humbled himself and took on himself the limitations of a man who had to operate in total obedience and submission to his father to whom he was eternally co-equal. Can we grasp that? He was eternally co-equal. But he stepped out of that position into the earth through the womb of a virgin conceived of the Holy Spirit, and for 33 plus years, he lived in absolute dependence on his Father for everything. 
I only do those things that I see my father doing. I only say those things I hear my father saying. He totally submitted his will to him to whom he was co-equal for eternity. Humbled himself. Even to the point of death. Not for his own offenses, but for mine and yours. Well, look at what God did. Therefore, are you with me? Verse 9. Therefore, since Jesus humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those who are under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is coming a time when every knee will bow. Angelic beings, demonic beings, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I didn't make it up, I just read it to you. There is coming a day when every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord over heaven. He is Lord over earth. He is Lord over America. He is Lord over Saudi Arabia. He is Lord over all those who name the name of Mohammed. He is Lord over all, all of all, every name. The name of Jesus is above every name. And every, every, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. If you want to be politically correct, you can't believe that right there. It's either true or it's not. I have staked my life on the truth of the Word of God. How did Jesus, what, pursuant to His humbling Himself, listen, are you listening? There's always, there's always a promotion. There's always an exaltation for those who humble themselves. It's spiritual law. It's spiritual law. There's always promotion. If you humble yourself, God will see to it that you begin to be brought up, that you begin to get promoted. If you humble yourself and take on the form of a, of a servant because he loves you like he loves Jesus, then promotion is coming. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. When? In due time. When is that? Whenever he says it's right. How many of you know God don't go by your clock? I got 67 years of testimony on that one. God doesn't go by your clock. But I'll tell you this. Although he's never in a hurry, he's never late either. Would you stand with me today? I wonder today 
If you could give the Lord thanksgiving and praise. Pray this prayer with me, if you will. Mighty God, in the name of Jesus, I give you praise that you love me as much as you love Jesus. Give me greater revelation, greater revelation. I am amazed at your love. Mighty Father, in the name of Jesus, I admit to you that I am totally dependent on you. That your agenda is always higher than mine. And so I submit to you. I will listen. I will obey. And I will trust you when I don't understand. Give me the, the grace to trust you more. And in the name of Jesus, I declare to you that I am humbling myself submitting my plans, my agendas to you. And I believe that as I humble myself, you will exalt me in due time as you have promised. I pray, O oh God, that my season of exaltation will be expedited as I obey and trust you alone for all of my days. Would you just speak your praise to the Lord now for a moment? Asking Him for greater revelation of His mercy, His grace, His mighty love. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.